Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Joining us today is board certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic. And we're going to be talking about uncommon type of arthritis that affects the body outside the joints and can rarely be associated with strokes and sometimes even blindness. It's called polymyalgia rheumatica, and we're taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way before making the call. And the number is 318-219-4569. You'll see it at the bottom of your screen throughout the show. And now, Dr. Goodman, thanks for being here. Glad to be here, Terry. So let's talk again about what we were talking about earlier when we were referring to coming here during the midday. So tell us about something that forms outside the joints instead of inside the joints like we're used to hearing with arthritis. Well, uh, polymyalgia rheumatica is an autoimmune disease that in which people get the, um, uh, an immunologic attack on the large joints of the shoulders and hips, but sometimes the, the white blood cells that are causing this inflammatory disease can also uh, attack parts of the body outside the joints. And in the case of polymyalgia rheumatica, the part of the body that is outside the joints seems to be the arteries, the blood vessels, to the head and neck. Those, when those blood vessels are attacked, it can cause inflammation that causes a giant cell that pathologists see under the microscope. So the name of that second disease or that offshoot of polymyalgia rheumatica is called giant cell arteritis or temporal arteritis because frequently people will have tenderness in the artery uh, uh, of the temple that could sometimes cause a closing off of the artery to the eye and a tragic but hopefully rare complication of giant cell or temporal arteritis is if you lose vision in one eye and, and would go blind in that eye. So that is something we really want to prevent in, in this um, constellation of diseases. Yes, definitely, because I was asking you earlier too about the blindness and if it could happen all of a sudden, and it could if this isn't taken care of early enough. And it, and it could because uh, basically if we think of the artery going to our eye and if it has inflammation in it, it could cause the opening to um, be inflamed and, and swollen and so the, the blood vessel, the blood cannot pass through the opening and if the uh, downstream uh, from that artery is the retina of our eye, it could cause a person to go blind. Right. So what are the other definite symptoms for this, for PMR, that we should look for? Well, there are, in, in so many areas in medicine, there aren't definite symptoms, but a traditional classic presentation of polymyalgia rheumatica is usually going to be uh, a lady in her 70s. Um, uh, she might be of northern European background. Uh, she might uh, be just the person that you always rely on to, uh, to be that uh, special grandmother, that uh, person in your church or Sunday school class that is always uh, a go-getter and she's always there uh, to help other people. But suddenly, sometimes, usually during uh, the fall of the year where we're getting flu and maybe COVID, that she gets pain in her shoulders and hips that causes her shoulders and hips to feel very stiff and like suddenly she can't get out of bed and she's stiff until 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning suffering from this painful arthritis. The, uh, and if she were to go to the doctor, she might describe, it felt like I got the flu and the flu just lasted for a long time. Um, we physicians would suspect polymyalgia rheumatica and um, might do lab tests 
that will be suggestive of it and they would show markers of inflammation that would be sky high. There's a common marker of inflammation that is a lab test um, called the SED rate or sedimentation rate and the normal sedimentation rate for most people in the United States is about 20 uh, but the SED rate would be four, five, even six times the upper limits of normal so they'd have a SED rate of 80, 100 or even 120 to be an indication of um, polymyalgia rheumatica. And uh, sometimes those patients can also get that second disease, that complication called giant cell arteritis. And so that's how this is diagnosed? Uh, do you it think is blood diagnosed, or what is the it process? It is diagnosed by, by um, uh, suspecting it with that clinical presentation. Um, a person, uh, uh, this is a disease where people's shoulders and hips get painful uh, over a week or two. It's not mm. something that gradually developed over years like last year this shoulder was a problem and uh, earlier this spring when I was doing a lot of gardening my hip uh, went out when I was squatting down and working in my flower bed. It's not that kind of presentation. It's much more quick usually a few weeks and a lot of times people say I had the flu and I never got over it. And it just settles in there. Is it stiffness or pain? Both. Both. Yeah. It, it's really both. And we think it's inflammation um, in the joint capsule um, and um, the soft tissues around the shoulder joints, the soft tissues around the hip joints. Um, the physician might do that common lab test and see that it's elevated. Uh, and they might treat them with steroid medications. And the steroids uh, would make the person feel marvelous in about a day. So mm -hmm. that's also tied in with the clinical picture of uh, polymyalgia rheumatica. Okay, so is that, so I was going to ask you that too, in a treatment or cure for this, is that how it's treated with steroids? Yes, what do you do? Um, the, the treatment is uh, initially steroids because you want, steroids are the thing that is going to help a person get better within a matter of hours or about a day or two. Mm -hmm. But the steroids have side effects, so um, we would uh, be fairly rapidly trying to taper the steroids once the person responds to uh, the initial treatment. And uh, as the physician tapers the steroids on the patient with polymyalgia rheumatica, one of three things might happen. One is the doctor and the patient might go from 15 or 20 milligrams of prednisone, the most common oral steroid, down to zero and just march off the, medica uh, the medication and have no recurrence. And that's what we hope for. Happens about 45 or 50 percent of the time. But, the, uh, but two other things could happen as well. The second problem is that every time the doctor tapers down on the steroids, um, the person gets more PMR symptoms. They come back and occasionally they may come back and a person might get those other symptoms of giant cell arteritis, the head and neck pain, um, maybe fluctuation of the vision. If a person is talking a lot, they might get um, a pain in their tongue from talking, pain in their jaw from chewing, and that would suggest to the doctor maybe they're having a problem with the arteries that are supplying the head and neck, and think about that second disease, uh, giant cell arteritis. Uh, the third situation, so it could just all go away, or it could develop into giant cell arteritis as the doctor is taping down the steroids, but the third situation is they could develop swelling in the small joints of the hand, so they had swelling initially in the shoulders and hips, but now it's going to the small joints of the hands and it looks identical to rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, and is this, 
Yeah, because we talked about rheumatoid arthritis last time, so it could be confused with yeah. the feeling that it does to your hands, right? And and since um, uh, polymyodramatic is an orphan disease, um, sometimes it it may overlap with. It could be in some situations an initial clinical pleasant presentation of rheumatoid arthritis. So you could have something so, like just like this separate from the arthritis. That's right. That's okay. right. Do we know what causes this? We don't, uh, Terry. We think it, it, our immune system is in charge with doing a lot of things. We have to uh, make sure that the bacteria inside of our body, the bacteria on our skin and our nose, is not invading us. And we also have to deal with new things. We have to might deal with uh, the whole world has to have to deal with COVID-19. Uh, we have to deal with um, the influenza virus that is coming around in uh, 2022. And some people's immune system makes a mistake and overreacts in dealing with these outside threats. Viruses, bacteria, maybe protozoa, uh, maybe a, 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 a spider bite. And in that mistake, these diseases develop, whether it's polymyalgia rheumatica and giant cell arteritis, or PMR can sort of overlap with rheumatoid arthritis um, and um, other autoimmune diseases like lupus could be triggered in, in this way as well. Well, you really have to be aware of your body and what's going on to catch these things early on. And, yeah. and, and, and uh, these kinds of programs are so that uh, the public will know a little bit more about these conditions. And if you have some of these symptoms, call it to the attention of your primary care doctor. Start with them first. Um, and they might uh, do some initial lab tests. And, and if those lab tests come back positive, uh, then uh, seeing a rheumatologist, because we do have ways to treat these diseases, way to, ways to cope with these diseases and to prevent their potentially catastrophic complications. And you feel like that's good advice to people, even if there's something slightly off, mention it to your doctor, because the doctor is the one that's going to put it all together let, that let you them might know. not think. And, and in, in common diseases, you know, doctors put it together pretty commonly. <laughs> but uh, these less common diseases need the attention because uh, there are enough people in the Arclitex that stu suffer from polymyalgia rheumatica and suffer from giant cell arteritis to, to let, it, uh, let it be known. And we have better and better treatments for it. And so do you see a lot of that then in your... Um, uh, I, d I do, uh, yeah. because I uh, talk about it and uh, uh, my patients uh, uh, are aware that I have an interest in it. Um, and, um, but I think the, the incidence of uh, rheumatoid arthritis, for example, is about one person in 80. Mm -hmm. The chance of getting polymyalgia rheumatica is, I think, one person in 500 in people over 60. So about one person in 500 in people over 60. It doesn't occur very often in people under 60 years of age. Okay, and more women than men, you said? More women than men, about three women for every man for uh, polymyalgia rheumatica. Okay, and so how does this really, if you have that, and you are one of those, you said one of the scenarios is it goes away completely and you're okay. What if it's someone that has it and it, it how does it affect their daily life? Well, live with this. Uh, at first, it's it's putting them in the bed. They just don't want to get out of bed. I've got the you know that achiness um, uh, that people describe when they have a bad case of the flu. The the joint pains, the muscle pains, when people have the flu, that is very common in polymyalgia rheumatica. And at first, it's hard to tell the difference. Um, and and that leads us to the thought: Could the flu trigger? polymyalgia rheumatica in 
some people, or could COVID-19 trigger polymyalgia rheumatica in other people? Or maybe in 1988, case of um, uh, polymyalgia rheumatica, could um, the mononucleosis virus have triggered it in 1988? And, and the answer is we really don't know, but it seems like something triggers it um, and uh, it doesn't affect everybody in uh, you know, the whole population, but a specific subgroup that has a problem in dealing with these viral illnesses maybe, um, and uh, it triggers this uh, sequence of immunologic events that can in some people cause uh, arthritis in the shoulders and hips, and in other people cause um, arteritis or inflammation of the head and neck. Okay, we have a caller for you. Sure. Hello, Nora. Thanks for calling. What's your question for Dr. Goodman? I'm, I have a swelling of a uh, half of my lips and half of the tongue and half of the throat and and uh, have hives. They, that, I've been to the emergency room twice with it, and they give me a um, shot and two Benadryls. I was wondering if it was caused from arthritis because I've got arthritis in my fingers and my right at the base of my hand is I got something that's like a bone there you know um, sticking up not. is it Nora or Laura Nora Nora, Nora. oh uh, well Nora Hives are usually um, a, are not as commonly tied in with arthritis. And a person um, might get hives, and that is usually due to um, a, a white blood cell, um, and that white blood cell is called an eosinophil. And hives um, will pop up on you in a matter of hours. Uh, I know, maybe minutes, from minute to minute. Um, and many times a person might get hives from, and at this time of year it would, could be from uh, uh, pollen, from ragweed, from uh, grasses, from oak pollen, uh, and a variety of other pollens could cause hives, which uh, doctors would call urticaria. Most of the time hives, uh, if you have arthritis in hives, it's probably that you had arthritis that's the more common wear and tear type of arthritis, and then that you have hives that are kind of a dermatologic manifestation of a seasonal allergy. So um, allergies are an example of the immune system misbehaving in a different way, um, and in the, in the allergies you might get the immune system misbehaving and re reacting to, say, ragweed uh, in, in the late summer or early fall of uh, the year in the Arklatex, and you would get that hivey rash, but you might also get a runny nose, you might also get sneezing, and all the classical um, manifestations of seasonal allergies that are actually in the case of hives, in the case of uh, uh, seasonal allergies, are attacking two areas of the body as well. They're attacking the head and neck and sinuses, and they're also attacking um, the, the skin and causing a, a dermatitis as well. Uh, but that's usually different from polymyalgia rheumatica. But thank you for that question. Okay, what, what do you think the swelling of half of my lips, they called it swelling. Uh, that's what I've been to the emergency room twice with my uh, usually lip, lip 
when you have um, hives in another part of your body, uh, like in uh, the skin of your arms or on your abdomen or legs, it will cause the, the raised red rash, but when it's in the lips and it's the mucous membranes, it'll cause the lip to swell up too. And, and for some reason that I would refer to an allergist or an ear, nose, and throat doctor, um, um, the lip uh, as even swells even more uh, because of that response to hives and histamine. It's that you have these cells called eosinophils that release histamine and a lot of times the treatment for hives is an antihistamine um, and that would be the classic Benadryls, the classic Claritins, uh, but that probably would be uh, something to address with your primary care doctor, maybe with your allergist, maybe with an ear, nose, and throat doctor. But the, the yeah. swelling in the lips is that caused the, the lips to be so swollen is basically the same thing as the hive in other parts of the body, but the lip um, uh, has more potential to swell than other parts of the body. And also my half of my tongue, sometimes I wake up at night and half of it swells and and my throat down there. That would be know. one of those classic allergic reactions um, uh, going down <laughs> that road with antihistamines. They also use steroids for that um, and sometimes <laughs> if a person's hives are really bad, if your throat is closing up, that would be the person that the allergist or the ear, nose, and throat doctor or the primary care physician would be uh, considering whether you need an EpiPen because those kinds of reactions, those hive type reactions that doctors call urticaria can can occur very quickly and you you know you occasionally hear about the person who's on the golf course and they get stung by a bee and they have uh, their tongue swells up their throat swells up and it is a true medical emergency uh, but it's a little different from what we're talking about today oh okay um, they they gave me a I went to an allergist and they tested me for food and I was allergic to nearly everything I've ate all of my life. <laughs> so he, he I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, Nora, I'm going to turn that over to your allergist to explain further uh, about that. But, uh, uh, but that, but, but thank you did. for calling and, and bringing our attention to, yeah, there are other uh, diseases where the immune system can make a mistake. And in this case, with hives, it can also make a mistake and cause. Uh, skin rashes and it can cause uh, runny nose, watery eyes, and congested nasal passages. Uh, and that is uh, the immune system having a difficult time dealing with ragweed, dealing with other pollens that we have. And, and we're right in the middle uh, of the ragweed season in the Arclitex. Well, the allergist doctor did prescribe me an EpiPen in case my throat. So, all of it so you do have an EpiPen? Yeah, um, yeah, well, that is okay. uh, that is uh, different from what we were talking about, but kind of parallel. Uh, I can see some parallels there. Thanks for calling, Nora. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And it's nice when those call in with those kind of questions where we're talking about the shoulders up and something around there they don't know. It's a good example of we were talking about talk to your doctor about anything that might yeah, correlate. Yeah, exactly. Things, so. Because because needing an EpiPen is as much of a medical emergency or more so than right. um, needing to be treated for temporal arteritis. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and what is the name of the caller we have? Dorothy, hi Dorothy, uh, hello, thank Dorothy. you for calling. Thank you. Uh, yes, I have a question. I have arthritis real bad and uh, I have, uh, I've gotten that drop foot 
so I've been taking, uh, they said it was from my back at, with the arthritis and all that, and that one uh, nerve that goes down the side of my leg all the way to my foot. So I've got, now I have that drop foot, and uh, so I'm taking uh, uh, injections, but I wonder if there's something else, because I don't, you know, other than surgery I can do for this ear. Well, um, that that type of arthritis usually implies that you have, um, it might be called osteoarthritis, it is also called degenerative joint disease or degenerative disc disease, and all three are fall under the same umbrella. And what's happening, uh, is it Becky? Dorothy. Oh, Dorothy. 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 Uh, what's happening, Dorothy, is that the, uh, the joints in your lower back uh, the discs in your lower back and the facet joints in your lower back are getting wear and tear type of arthritis known as osteoarthritis and those discs might be displaced a little bit and they might squeeze on their next door neighbor which is one of the starting points of that big sciatic nerve that goes down your leg and so if the if the disc is squeezing on the nerve um, then that could pinch the nerve and cause you to have that drop foot that they're describing. I wish I had a pill to fix osteoarthritis of the low back or to fix wear and tear arthritis on those discs, but uh, rheumatology does not have a very good treatment for uh, osteoarthritis of the back. We have medicines for pain, but when you're starting to get pinched nerves, then a lot of times you have to uh, rely on uh, pain management doctors to do injections in and around those discs under um, x-ray guidance. They may do injections of the joints called the facet joints and try to relieve some inflammation and swelling in the opening around that nerve. But um, uh, if they are not successful, then a neurosurgeon or an orthopedic surgeon has to operate on that opening as that nerve exits out of your low back and goes to the right or left sciatic nerve and, as, and try to relieve pressure because the disc material may have slipped and pushed on that nerve and squeezed the nerve or bone spurs from the facet joint may have pushed on and squeezed the nerve as well. And when um, the Latin term for squeezing or narrowing of an opening is called stenosis. So it sounds like you're suffering from spinal stenosis that is probably due to osteoarthritis or degenerative joint disease or degenerative disc disease. And our medicines for osteoarthritis help with the symptoms, but they don't really help that much with those kind of complications of a foot drop that you're describing. So it might be that um, the answer, if that, if that injection that the back surgeon is suggesting doesn't work, it could be uh, considering um, surgery on the low back to try to relieve that pressure on that nerve, to relieve that pinched nerve so that you don't have that, to try to make that foot drop better. Okay, well, I was, thanks a lot, because that really answered a lot of questions for me. And, uh, but with the surgery, it, it, do you usually get okay after the surgery, or? Well, it's, it's, uh, it is an improving surgery, but I would say that no surgery is 100%, and um, uh, surgeries on the low back 
can, uh, if the goal is to relieve the pressure on the nerve, that is a, a doable goal. But uh, sometimes there may be other things going on causing back pain as well. And if the damage has already been done, then the recovery of the, of the weakness in the foot that you're describing as a foot drop uh, may or may not get better. So it might be a combination of working with the surgeon, him trying to relieve the pressure on the nerve, uh, also known as spinal stenosis, then working with physical therapy to try to recover some of that strength. But thanks for the call. I would thank you. You helped me a lot. <laughs> Glad to help. And once again, let's talk about what we're, the subject that you're talking about today and how it does differ from arthritis, just to remind everyone who's watching. That's right. Well, polymyalgia rheumatica differs from wear and tear arthritis in that it is a, the immune system makes a mistake and attacks the, the joints themselves. And so the patient's own white blood cells are attacking uh, the joints, and sometimes the immune system can attack the arteries to the head and neck as well. Okay. And, and so that can lead to these varied complications. Amazing. And we have Sue on the line for you. Hi, okay. Sue. Hello, what Sue. What is your question? Good morning. Good morning, Sue. I just, want to, yeah, I just wanted to say to Dr. Goodman, I'm so appreciative of the information that you're giving out today. Um, there's so many doctors that don't know how to diagnose it. In December of last year, my son, who's 58, uh, eventually they figured out that he had giant cell arteritis and he lost his eyesight in both eyes, except for just a little bit of peripheral vision out of his right eye. Oh. And had they uh, known. So your son is 68 and he lost. No, he, he was 58. 58. And he lost vision in both eyes? Yes, and they said it was from giant cell arteritis. Um, I've had patients that, that I have um, diagnosed with giant cell arteritis, and they have said, get the word out. And even though it's a less common disease, um, I, have, um, uh, I, I usually talk about it, uh, along with polymyalgia rheumatica, at least once a year. Um, uh, I, um, Ashton Kutcher, the, the movie star, told, said um, through his publicist recently, about two months ago, that he had some kind of arteritis to his head and neck. Um, he didn't disclose whether it was giant cell arteritis, and Ashton Kutcher is too young probably to have it. But um, he was bringing attention to giant cell arteritis. Um, and, yes. and Go ahead. I just said yes, it is very important. Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that call, and um, I'm glad to, to get that word out. Uh, and um, I, when I diagnose polymyalgia rheumatica, I always uh, try to educate the patients to say this giant cell arteritis could occur in the next few months, but it might occur a year from now. Um, or three years from now, and I, I can remember a lovely lady who is a, a retired nurse from Monroe. I can't go more than that because I would be uh, uh, violating some HIPAA information. And I treated her for giant cell for polymyalgia rheumatica in 16, and um, uh, then she was lost to follow up, and she got a vision problem. She went to her ophthalmologist, and she mentioned. PMR and giant cell arteritis, and the ophthalmologist in Monroe says, oh uh, my gosh, we're going to have to think about 
uh, giant cell wow. arteritis, and we saved her vision. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's well, wonderful. So God. Much for getting the word out. Anyway, I, I'm sorry about your son's uh, experience, but uh, hopefully we'll get the message out, uh, and, and you get the message out, too, as yes. well. Thank you yes. so much for calling and sharing your story, Sue. We appreciate that. Thank you so much again to Dr. Goodman for talking about this and for Sue sharing an example of what you're talking about. And I'm so sorry that that happened. And, and we do see some, we talk about times that they go too far or go too long or something that isn't diagnosed and just in time and getting the word out. And so to hear um, an example of how serious this can be is really enlightening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I else? What else would you like them to know about? Well, um, that polymyalgia rheumatic and giant cell arteritis do have treatments. We have better treatments. And uh, these are have been orphan diseases. But as we gain better tools to treat rheumatoid arthritis, a related disease, or lupus, another related disease, we are better able to help the patients with polymyalgia rheumatic and giant cell arteritis. And uh, back about um, uh, seven or eight years ago, a medicine called Actemra that had been approved for rheumatoid arthritis was also approved for giant cell arteritis. So it's not just using steroids anymore, it is um, using steroids but then moving over to medicines that are used to treat rheumatoid arthritis and also we actually have one medicine that is called Actemra that blocks interleukin-6, a, a specific um, member of the cascade of events that happens in inflammation and um, and blocking interleukin-6 can really help those patients and if we'd have caught that patient earlier uh, perhaps prevent that loss of vision. Well it's so good that we know that that we can figure out ways to save them before it goes too much further. Absolutely. And there's so many other options too. Are you taking new patients right now Dr. Yes Goodman? I am you are? and they can contact me at 318-424-9240 uh, if you have some of these symptoms um, because really it's important to, to recognize that these diseases are out there. They really are. We appreciate so much bringing your stories to us, bringing these examples and, and I love that our viewers always feel so comfortable to call in and ask you and you're so patient and informative. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Right. Everyone, thanks for watching Healthline 3. We'll see you next time.